0: Hey Jets fans, welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Liz, one of your regular hosts, and I'm here to burn the midnight oil with all of you for a super fun one today, covering four unanswered goals, five unanswered goals I guess it ended up being, to win the hockey game against what a lot of people consider to be one of the best in the West, in the Los Angeles Kings. So... I'm super excited that everyone's here to join me tonight, as you can probably tell. If you're watching live, you can see I'm solo. You don't see these often. I don't really like doing these, but uh, sometimes, you know, I I don't feel great texting someone and being like, hey, would you love to stay up till 12.30 covering in West Coast game with me? Uh, So... I'm doing it by myself tonight, and thank goodness the Winnipeg Jets gave me something to talk about. So we're going to talk some hockey for a little bit. I can see we already have some people here in the chat. Thanks so much, everyone, for being here. Really excited to have this show. It's me, my water bottle, to keep my voice nice and refreshed against the world. So let's get into it and talk about, not the game, let's talk about before the game a little bit. So, obviously, lots of off-ice things to talk about. Today we found out uh, Kyle Connor... Came home, did some more testing, and we confirmed the six to eight week timeline. So now it's, you know, as serious slash as sure as it ever is going to be that we are going to be missing Cal Connor for an extended period of time due to the knee knee collision with Ryan Strom two games ago in Anaheim. So obviously a massive loss for the Winnipeg Jets. I had this penciled in as one of my, like, sort of could talk about points if I needed to. Uh, If the game was a little bit of a dud, then I could, you know... (laughs) I I could talk about that, but the game was not a dud. But this game had some things particularly kind of off the ice beforehand to talk about the revenge game. There's always the revenge game when it comes to players after recent trades or signings away from the teams. Pierre-Luc Dubois, first game playing in front of a home crowd against his former team, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo first game back in the building. So obviously for Gabe Velarde going into this game, um, probably some emotions going on. Obviously, last time he played against the LA Kings, it was supposed to be a nice, big, fun reunion. And the Blake Lozot knee injury ended up being, you know, really devastating and put him out for several weeks. Uh, in fact, it's almost comparable to the the Connor injury as far as how we're looking right now with uh, the type of play and the timeline for the injury and all that. So, you know, I, I, I can't decide slash, you know, predict how he might have been feeling. But we got some Gabe Velarde boos early on in the game, which I thought was really interesting. That was a player that was, like, forcefully traded away from your team, like, against as will. Like, I don't think Gabe Velarde was asking for any trades. I know a lot of players, um, you know, when they get traded, we hear that there was, you know, desire for them to leave. And I heard, you know, crickets about Gabe Velarde not liking his time in LA or anything like that. So the boos, the boos were interesting, especially since considering last time... You remember what happened when he played against you guys last time, what y'all did to him. Um, But I have to try and be consistent, and I am a boo lover. I think it's hilarious – when people boo. I love when people boo. I think it's so funny. So I will never, ever hate on the boos, but I just thought it was an interesting choice. May- I, you would have thought they maybe go with someone like Alex, Alex follow who played an even longer period with the team and all these, I don't know, whatever. Either way, an interesting choice for players that were traded and didn't, you know, sign or say anything poorly, uh, uh you know, about the team after their departure. So interesting choice, you know, we're like, oh, boos early on. Well, hopefully Gabe already has a good game. We're gonna get into whether or not Gable already had a good game, but I can see everyone in the chat here is talking about you know the excitement that was that top line. So we're definitely gonna get into it. But um, to start the game, Stanley's out again. Nate Schmidt is in. Uh, we're running twelve and six again, so a little bit more of a conventional lineup. Lines are kind of structured as we were expecting them to be. So it's time to start the game. So here, here, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Okay. So early, early on to start the game, the first thing that I noticed was the line matching. So the team was going one and one, two and two, three and three. So that meant that the Adam Lowry line was matched up against the Pierre-Luc Dubois line, because as we recall, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a eight and million million dollar third line center. Um, <laughs> and then that meant Scheifele had to deal with the Andre Kopitar line. And that that's always the thing that, you know, it is a little bit difficult when it comes to line matching against the LA Kings, because there's, there are advantages and disadvantages to, to matching up against the top line. And in certain cases, they're really offensively powerful and you have to try and contain them. But in this case, the Andrzej Kopitar line is obviously very gifted offensively, but they're extremely difficult to play against defensively as well. Obviously one of the best defensive lines in the NHL. So it was definitely, you know, a, a choice by, by Todd McClellan that I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was pleased... Uh, to see how that line ended up managing their matchup against Andrzej Kopitar for a good uh, chunk of that game. So early on in that first period, kind of the first thing of note to happen was the Nate Schmidt penalty, right? And immediately you're, we're looking at it and and you're like, okay, a soft little cross check where a guy falls over. Two minute penalty, cross checking penalty to Nate Schmidt. And if we call all of those cross checks, we're gonna be playing three on three hockey for a good chunk of this game, right? So you know what? I, I I give the refs the benefit of the doubt in this case, and I'm like, you know what? It, it happens. You make a call. You you bring people in, uh, and you you know you say that's that's not gonna happen in this game. You don't you don't allow that. It's like okay, you know what? Whatever, whatever. I'll take that. I'll take that. It's fine. But then it's almost poetic, right? The ensuing power play. Dylan Sandberg is standing in front of the net, and he gets. small cross check and he falls and Andrzej Kopitar scores no call no call the cross check on Dylan Sandberg in my objective lens just watching it if you take you throw pennies over the numbers we don't know who it is it's not a penalty and I stand by it it's not a penalty but if you're gonna call that Nate Schmidt penalty seconds before To put this LA team on the man advantage, I just think it's an interesting choice. I really do. I'm curious to hear what everyone's thoughts are are in the chat here. And Lucas is saying he loved seeing how fired up bonus was. Agreed. That was the big piece of that, right? Where immediately after the goal is scored, Adam Lowry is pissed. And Adam Lowry, I don't see him getting pissed very often. Like, you know, sometimes you get mad, whatever, and you're the captain, so you go talk to the ref when there's a call you don't like. But he was upset. He was visibly angry. And he goes to the bench. And Rick Bonus is equally mad. Like, he's very upset. Like, so, and I get it. Like, I don't know. Like, this, this is a team. We all know how good the LA Kings are. And you want to try and play good hockey right off the jump to, to make sure you're able to manage them and all these things, right? And you're essentially, like, they kind of got shafted by that back-to-back situation of those calls with the first one being a penalty and the second one not. Like, I, I understand the frustration on that. I really do. I see we have um thirty seven people watching live in the chat right now. That's fabulous. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. I, I don't know if we have a uh, couple of Kings fans or anything in here with um, you know, um so so many people coming to join, which is really fantastic. So if you guys have thoughts, i'm I'm definitely curious uh, to to hear from everybody. I'll do my best to to sort of check. Brady is saying that both of the Schmidt penalties are were penalties. And if that's the way we want to look at it, like i I'm not upset about that I just find that they were such similar plays the one that took Dylan Sandberg out from being able to manage the net front and the one that put Schmidt in the box and if we're going to call one I think we should call both so early on I was in a little bit of a bad mood in this game I was I was I was not pleased I was not pleased so I I think that that was obviously a one nothing score that early on you know a lot of shots kind of in in favor of of LA the Jets weren't playing super awesome hockey right off the jump, right? And I think that's part of the the, the fabric that makes the LA Kings such a good hockey team um, it is how good they were at managing the the Winnipeg Jets coming into the zone, right? So so LA plays a 1-3-1. And, and for those of you who are a little bit less familiar, when people start going off with about the 1-3-1, 1-2-2, whatever, basically the Jets are coming up the ice with the puck. There's one high four four checker three guys kind of anchored in the middle a little bit and then one deep defender. So it tends to be a winger up top, a defender up at the back, whatever, and then three guys in the middle. And we know that that's a really hard defensive structure to enter the zone against. But what I found tonight in particular was that the Winnipeg Jets, you know, in a 1-3-1 you don't have a lot of space to come up the middle, um for sure, because you're you're pretty stretched in the middle there with a with an individual um guy up top and then the guy right in the middle right as opposed to a one two two where the guys are a little bit more on the sides you still have guys on the sides to deal with here but it's kind of the lesser of two evils but what's nice about the one three one is that the middle defender which oftentimes is the center I, i couldn't really tell you who it was tonight depending on the line i'm sure it changed um but they act as a little bit of a rover right so so for example when when the top line mark shifley in particular i noticed was was trying to carry the puck in down one of the flanks you have the initial guy who, who's on the wall with him but then the middle guy comes over and all of a sudden you have two guys pressuring immediately and they box that guy right out to the side and I thought especially in that first period the LA Kings did a phenomenal job an airtight job keeping the Winnipeg Jets out of the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and I don't know if that's just because they have so many players who are good at that type of thing or if it's because of the 1-3-1 sort of system I, I'm not always the greatest when it comes to system so I can't tell you why exactly that is but it just really caused the Winnipeg Jets to look a little bit panicky to me with their zone entries and their offensive kind of transition especially over LA's blue line and I was worried early I was worried early and then what happened was goal number two goal number two is honestly such a nothing burger to me for those of you who don't remember exactly what I'm talking about it was the only goal that um LA scored after that power play goal it was the behind the goal line, the Danny Heatley slap, whatever. It, it was the Alex LaFerrier shot from below the goal line that just bonked off of Connor Hellebuck's ear. And like, honestly, genuinely, I have nothing to say about that. And it's not like me trying to be like all, all pissy or whatever. No, I, I have nothing to say about that. Those happen. Like, it, it kind of is what it is. But I do want to talk a little bit about Connor Hellebuck going into um, the second period. So so you're, you finished the first 20 minutes, the opening frame of this game. You're down 2 nothing. We know the annoyance of the first goal we know the annoyance of the second goal different types of annoyances but annoyances nonetheless it doesn't matter it's a two nothing hockey game and you haven't created any shots of quality in my opinion like there there were some okay looks and all these kinds of things but this this is when the switch flips for me so they start the second period on the power play and we know nick and brady were on game over last night covering another late one um uh, after the loss against the sharks last night and and the power play was a huge point of contention for for the, the jets it, it always is but it was last night too right because against a san jose sharks team that has i think we just choose their their penalty killing stats so much um and i like the power play i i don't have a lot more to say that hasn't already been said i think they don't need i i, I want them to anchor it less through Josh Morrissey and more through someone who's a little bit deeper down like you know when they used to run it through Blake Wheeler and it, it knew obviously Blake Wheeler is a really good passer and all these different kinds of things but it, they were also anchoring it through a player who was closer to the net closer to the goal line and had a better kind of vision as opposed to way up high on the blue line but you know so and that's not to fault Josh Morrissey I just think they need to they need to do something but the thing is when when Nikolai Ehlers is, is kind of anchoring a little bit of this power play now that he's on that first unit because there isn't much more to do and all these sorts of things, he he climbs up to the blue line and all of a sudden you have two point players. Josh Morrissey's on the left and Nikolai Ehlers is on the right. You can't have two guys straddling the blue line on a power play. You can't. You have to collapse a little bit further. We saw what LA did at the end of the game when it was six on five, like. They were pushing the penalty killing unit in, in, in to try and create more space for themselves. And so that's where my frustration lies on, on the power play. And I'm not going to dive into it too much. The only reason I'm kind of going on it right now is because this is literally the last bad thing I pretty much have to say about the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and and is just that right now, I think like I, I'm of the mind that they need to run it through Perfetti and all these things. And, and the big thing for me on the power play right now is that if you look at the alternatives and you look at the options there's no oh what if sort of thing because I understand sometimes when you want to make changes you're worried to break up a good thing or you're worried to give up you know say the power play was only scoring or if, if a line was rocking like a like a slightly over half expected goals share or coursey share or whatever and you're like oh like you know we don't want to screw that up and then have several lines you know below 500 whatever this power play is actively doing nothing. Like, you are not giving anything up by literally putting your entire fourth line and third pairing out there. Because as long as the other team isn't scoring goals against you, you're you're a net neutral on, on this. Like, uh, switching the power play unit to be fourth liners is the exact same result because they're scoring zero goals. Like, that's straight up it. So to me, they just need to start making some legitimate changes and if it's personnel changes like that that that's what it has to be I'd rather it be structural changes than personnel changes but something's got to give now Frankie Corrado talked a little bit about Connor Hellbuck in the second intermission which I thought was really interesting because to me that was not the storyline of the second period but then I realized that how that period started the the Jets picked it up they they picked it up real good um but Connor Hellbuck was very stable and steady to start that second period when LA was still getting the odd chances here and there but Connor Hellebuck was stable. He was steady. He bailed them out a couple of times. And it allowed for them to stay in that two goal deficit, which is not like an unrecoverable hole to dig yourself out of, as we know. And what started digging themselves out of that hole was the very first Nikolai Euler's goal. So what I like about the Nikolai Euler's goal is first, he's shooting. He's shooting. Like I I love love when they shoot. We need more shots, especially on on rush chances. Like, just just shoot the puck. You don't have to try and do the whole scoop around and and look for a a better guy in front, especially when LA is as good as defending their slot in their middle of the ice as as they are. He shot. Shout out to him for shooting. But Gabe Villardi is the one who carries the puck up the middle of the ice on this first goal, right? And the thing with this one is that Shifley is on Gabe Velarde's left so he's on the right side you know where we're watching he's on kind of the right wing and the right ha- the right defenseman for LA kind of neutralizes him right like we have that and then the left defenseman has to choose a little bit between Velarde and Ealers coming in on the left side of the ice and you can't choose the guy or you can't not choose the guy breaking up the middle of the ice. Like if he had tried to pull over and cover a pass by himself to to Nikolai Ehlers in this case, Gabe Valardi would have had all the time in the world to just walk right into the middle and shoot the lights out of Cam Talbot. Which is you you can't do that. So I don't blame the defender in this case. But the little crisscross to allow Nikolai Ehlers to shoot from the middle of the ice and also pull the defender with Gabe Valardi was just a perfect example of how to manage a zone entry when you have a little bit when you have the opponent at a little bit of a disadvantage with their position. So I was really pleased with that. Obviously, it was a beautiful shot from Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, and I think that really kind of set the tone. Obviously, the booze to, to Gabe Velarde and those kinds of things like you're I, I was pleased that he made such a nice play and that we had such a nice finish um, from Nikolai Ehlers on that. Not long after. Here we get goal number two, and I have I have the Nikolai Ehlers jersey on the wall. Uh, for those of you who are watching live, you can see that. And also, just a little sidebar, another shout out, guys! Thank you so much for being here. It is twelve thirty in Winnipeg right now, but we are all riding this high. We're having so fun. Also, can I just say, no caffeine today, no caffeine today. I was like, you know what? Yesterday I I had coffee and then i had a diet coke later in the day because i was gonna stay up to just watch the jets game i wasn't even doing the stream um but then i couldn't sleep very well afterwards so i was like you know what no 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 no. like today we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna raw dog this we'll we'll do it we're gonna go au naturel no caffeine for tonight's game but i am i am high on life man like this was so i'm so fired up but make sure you like the stream if you're live watching uh you know tonight if you're not if you're watching back tomorrow morning uh, or whenever you listen i don't blame you but thanks so much for being here regardless Let's talk about the second Nikolai Ehlers goal a little bit. So I, uh, that goal, another rough chance or rush chance. And I want to say uh, a shout out to Mikey Anderson. Um, woof, man, absolutely. Like I, I felt so bad for the dude. I also would look like a pylon if I had Nikolai Ehlers coming in on me like that. So I, I don't necessarily blame him. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was not the greatest look by the defender coming in. Nikolai Ehlers, again, reads Cam Talbot like a book. Same sort of shot, same sort of space. Um, and I gotta say too though, I can't remember who but Trevor Moore. I need to shout out Trevor Moore. Brutal back check, dude. Brutal back check on that goal. That that was that was a rough he he coasted that one and that was part of the reason why they were able to to pull their way in and, and Nikolai Ehlers kinda just you ran the show on that one, and all of a sudden, it's like the game is just starting. It's zero zero or, <clears throat> zero zero, and all of the momentum is on the side of the Winnipeg Jets, especially with their superstar, Gabe Vellardi having two points, and LA's superstar, who makes almost three times as much as our superstar... Only having one, woo 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 woo. Um, the top line is cooking now. The top line is absolutely cooking now, and I just want to say, I want to put myself on the record. I never gave up on Shifley and Ealers. I'm still like Gabe Lardy. I I really like. Don't get me wrong. I just still don't feel like I know him as well as I know Mark uh Mark Ealers. I was about to go somewhere with that. I still feel like I don't know him as well as I know Mark Scheifele and Nikolai Ehlers, nor should I. I've been watching these guys for, what, over 10 years, Frick? Like, I've known these guys, um, for a while, and I've never, I've never given up on what the potential I thought that there was within that group. So, I just gotta say, I'm really pleased that they're starting to work together. I do realize that Gabe Lardy is partially the secret sauce on that one, but, um, I was really happy about the way that line looked kind of together and the way that duo looked knowing how much fun chemistry and how much chaos we can see from the three of them. Um, and tonight it was positive chaos. So let's go to goal number three. Now we're going to do... This is okay, the case. If this is a play right now, if we were watching, you know, like a... Uh, I don't know. I'm not an arts kid. I'm not a theater kid. But you know how sometimes like the lights dim down? Actually, I could... I could shut the lights off. Hold on. I have I have a ring light on. I'm going to make it ghastly now. The lights are off. Actually, it's not that cool. Anyways. <laughs> Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pierre-Luc Dubois. This goal is about Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's why I'm doing this little segue here. But there, this man has been villainized in the city of Winnipeg. And everyone knows that Pierre-Luc Dubois is my favorite hockey player. But even I will say i do not blame them i do not blame them that this man showed up did what he did left the way that he did and all these things and people are like hey i don't love that guy i've been a purely dubois fan for like six years like i i've always really really liked this dude so i i can't i can't give up on him just like that but i don't think jets fans are in the wrong for not wanting him to succeed to the same degree as they would have wanted him to if he were still wearing a jets jersey but you know what I am a happy camper because my boy got his bag. He got his $65 million contract. Um, and now he's playing like a $3 million player. Congrats to the boy. Congrats, man. Um, but listen, if you're an LA Kings fan watching this show right now, if you're listening back, I am not a Luc Dubois hater, nor am I giving up on Luc Dubois. I still think that this is a fabulous hockey player with so much potential. I just don't know what it takes to get it out of him. I really don't. And that's what on this third goal that happens here. Okay. The, the momentum is bad for the LA Kings. They're like, oh shit. Like we gotta, we gotta sort ourselves at- together, get our act together, all these sorts of things. Purely Dubois loses a stick. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> at the top of a five man defensive unit, he's already a little bit chaotic. Now without a stick, without a stick. Oh my gosh. Come on. Like so he's up there and, and he's living life. I don't remember. I'm trying. I want to say it's Josh Morrissey, but he's at the top. He He's not moving around very well. And he runs into his winger who's trying to follow the defenseman to block the shot. So what happens? The middle of the ice is wide open, so Josh Morrissey can walk in a little bit. Takes a shot, probably a better shot than he would have been if he was six feet further back where he should have been on the blue line if the player hadn't fallen because he'd run into Pierre-Luc Dubois, and just that split second of opening that Josh Morrissey got. And when your line has just scored two goals, and you have some of the most offensively gifted players in the NHL in Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, and Gabe Bellardi, they're too good not to pot that puck in shout out Gabe Velarde again on that one he that little Shifley's little wrap around the net to open up to get in on on Cam Talbot's left side there holy cow like I wouldn't have seen that coming I would have just expected them to start jamming at the puck but Shifley wraps around the net Gabe Velarde gives him a nice little pass tap it in Bob's your uncle all of a sudden the Jets are winning this hockey game so it's pretty poetic you watch the replay of that one, make sure just saying if you're watching the replay of that one, watch for Mark Shifley. Watch just just see what he's up to. So that brings us to the end of the second period where the Jets are at, and we're doing we're doing pretty well. We're we're pleased, we're happy, now we're ready to win this hockey game. So the vibes are good. Um, you know, three apples for Gabe Velarde. The the dude's playing a good hockey game and his homecoming and all these different kinds of things. This top line looks really great the next goal, once again, Pierre Dubois is caught puck watching in his own zone, and Dylan DeMello, shout out my boy, shout out my boy, real shout out to my boy, I was expecting him to shoot the puck when he did, but Pierre-Luc Dubois puck watching, Gabe already's got a stick open, and it's, he gives him a nice little snap pass, like it's a nice, right on the stick, and I gotta say, I don't know about you guys, but this Gabe Velarde goal might have been my favorite goal of the game. And I'm saying that because I am just weak in the knees for a backhand goal. I don't know what is prettier to me than a backhand highlight reel goal. I just think they're so pleasing to the eye to watch and just chef's kiss for his fourth point of the night. The Winnipeg Jets are now up by two. Gabe Velarde gets his fourth point on the scoreboard, notches a goal there. Absolute chef's kiss to see that when Pierre Le Dubois is coasting with his knees standing straight up in his own zone. So, so big shout out to that. Um, let the booze sing, baby. Let the booze sing. That—that's my boy right there. So all in all, I just kind of really wanted to focus in on that top line and some of the goals that they, that they had today, because I think it's really important to acknowledge that you just need to give guys time to, for lack of better words, cook. Like that, that's what you need to do is you need to allow them some time. Um, but okay, obviously Mark Scheifele scores 5-2. We got, we got the game. The game is done. Um, let's talk about a couple more like holistic big picture things. Can we admit now that we have another line that's working, top line media, Julian, Jeff, everyone in the chat is saying, we love how this line is looking. We're all we're all on board. We're all understanding how good they look right now. Are we okay to abandon the Niederreiter Lowry Appleton line? Can we do that now? I understand why they were hesitant to do it for a while in November, in early November. That line was the only thing that was giving this Jets team hope for actually putting goals in the back of the net. Like, holy smokes. Like, it was just like they couldn't get anything to work properly with those top six lines. And it was just, things were goofy. That line was looking great. They were playing 200-foot hockey. It was fabulous. But the last three weeks, they've been fine. And it was the thing before where I fully understood, yes, maybe Nino Niederreiter or Adam Lowry could have played with different... Line mates and been better, but a lot of people weren't willing to risk breaking up what that line had. And I get that. I do. I do. But can we now? Can we now? Because that second line has never needed anything more than they need, need, need to write it right now. Listen, I like Alex Hiafalo. He seems like a nice boy and he's good at hockey. But he is not my second line winger. He just isn't. And I think at this point, I would much rather see a reunion of him, Lowry, and Appleton than another game of him on the second line, even if it means breaking them up. Luke is saying in the chat, get Nino with Perfetti," And I fully agree. I absolutely agree that we need Nino oh, that's a tongue twister. We need Nino Niederreiter up on that second line right now in order to get them to succeed. I think, obviously, you let that top line get after it and, and make the chaos that they need, but we, we got to get Nino Niederreiter up there, and we got to get Alex Iafalo out of there. I, I wanted so badly for Alex Follow to have himself a game tonight. He didn't. He wasn't bad. He's, he's rarely bad but he hasn't been giving me enough to to justify being on the second line and no one on the third line is giving me enough as a unit as a collective to make me think that this team's success is absolutely hinging on that line being together I do want to talk a little bit about like the second line tonight was kind of there wasn't a ton uh there for me but I will say Cole Perfetti was out defending the six on five Cole Freddie got his power play reps like I know a lot of people have been really hard on bonus for for his usage of Cole Perfetti and, and I am fully on board with that like I I definitely think that there is reason to be critical of Cole Perfetti's usage I think he hit a, a game high in ice time last game or the game where Kyle Connor got hurt and it was like 18 minutes or something like that which is which is fine but I just he needs more and I just don't think that Alex, I have and Vlad and a Messick giving that to him right now at five on five. And I think the chat seems to agree with me here too that that Nino Niederreiter is the short term fix on that top line. And and I know we can talk trades, we can talk all these things for a while. Um, but as like for right now to make this team look a little better, um, you you bump Nino Niederreiter up. It's the easy switch. But Lucas is alluding to it in the chat, not alluding to it. He straight up said it. And I was going to get there too. Listen, listen. I also wouldn't hate. I also wouldn't hate a look at Gus in the middle six. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The Gus bus has been gassed up, fresh oil change, hitting the road lately. He is out there putting on the mileage, and I would like to see him rewarded for that. And I know, obviously, Axel Johnson Fiala is the first guy that comes out if there are different players that get put in and all these kinds of things. But we know that when injuries aren't a thing, that David Gustafson literally isn't even a top 12 forward on this team he'd be playing like it lately he's been playing like it lately and I would like to see a little bit more out of David Gustafson and even Morgan Barron. like I, I think that there's definitely some potential with how these players have been playing lately that right now they wouldn't be bad upgrades on Alexia follow on that second line but then the thing is the upgrade is Nino Niederreiter. And then you throw one of the other ones on the third line. But um, sh- 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 Lucas is saying, we saw the Shifley to Gus pass. The last couple games, you've seen a couple of shifts. I don't know if it was just, you know, benching <laughs> or line changes or what, but I've seen a couple of Shifley and Gus shifts. They're so fun. They are so, so, so fun. Like I, I don't know. I just think David Gustafson and like three years ago, we were like, there is potential with this boy and injuries and COVID and AHL stints and all these things. We're kind of like, okay, we'll get what we get with him. He's a fourth liner who's going to be really good. No, no, I never gave up on him. And I am telling you right now that this player would be an upgrade right now to sort of to switch things up within that middle six to to give them a little bit extra life, breathe, breathe some life into them. And, and I think that it would be really, really awesome to see him get a stint up there and give him a try. Because I know they'd be more likely to put Morgan Barron up there and, and all these things, but I don't know. I like to see them try. But listen, listen, I honestly, and this is kind of my mantra, my whole thing. I don't care what happens in the bottom six. I don't care what happens in the bottom nine. If your top line is scoring five goals in a game, and you're only giving up two, your bottom nine can do whatever they please in my books. They can do whatever they please. So this is all just kind of extra conversation pieces and extra thinking and all these things. Cause really I'm not mad about how things are going right now. I was pleased with the Jets tonight. I thought Neil Peonk had some fun looks. Thought Adam Laurie had a couple of really great back checks, kind of saving some people's butts every now and then and all those good things. But generally speaking... I don't know. I- I'm pretty pleased with how this Jets team is is doing and how this game looked tonight. So I'm going to open the floor up to any questions now. I-, I see we have a lot of people who are still active in the chat. So make sure you type away at some questions here to, to sort of close up the show. just want to say thank you so much for being here. I ha- Andrew's in the chat telling me he's proud of me. Thank you so much. What a, what a king. Um, we're having a fun show tonight. It's so nice to see Everybody in the chat, um, you know, having fun and celebrating this Jets win together. That's my favorite part of game over is getting to jump on here and, and either, you know, complain with you guys or get excited with you guys and, and kind of have this this opportunity for all of us to, to be together. Um, Kishore saying in the chat, it was no- noticeable tonight how much better our D was without Stanley. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, that's an important thing to sort of understand, is that, like, Nate Schmidt, Brady and I are both Nate Schmidt apologists, and we understand that dollar amounts and all these kinds of things, and Nick is in the chat, so I know he's going to plug his ears uh, for this one, but, like, Nate Schmidt's a good hockey player, and I thought he, he looked excellent. He had a couple of big blocks tonight, and a couple of times where I thought his passes looked good, a couple of nice offensive shots, and all those kinds of things. It was nice to see the Jets just playing a regular 12-6, and 6, ending the 11-7 and 7 experiment, ending the logan stanley experiment at least for 60 minutes of my time and i was very pleased um, with how that looked and that's probably part of the reason as well i i don't know what's going on with logan stanley but uh, the i hope it was all about trade showcases whatever because if you're looking at on ice outputs when one is in the press box or one is on the ice salary cap doesn't matter none of that matters strictly on ice the way things are looking nate schmidt is a better hockey player and is going to help your team win more games than logan stanley will and i don't think that anyone thinks differently i think i might be preaching to the choir here but i just if that's ever in question that's when i fear that 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 would be when i fear for sure um but that kind of wraps up the general gist of what i wanted to talk about tonight i think kind of the earlier stuff that i talked about especially in period one about la and the things that they did right to manage this jets team um listen, I, I don't think they stopped doing those things. I don't think they stopped pushing the Jets to the perimeter when they were coming in with a controlled break, like, break in um, on the zone. They, they certainly continue to do a good job of that. You you want to watch all five of the goals. The The Ehlers goals were rush chances. Um, the <sighs> Shifley goal... I guess it was with the, with the Morrissey shot and the scramble in front of the net. That was an, an LA Kings error, right? Like they are structurally a very, very good hockey team. So I, I, I'm still afraid of the LA Kings. I would be more afraid of the LA Kings if a certain someone was playing like an eight and a half million dollar hockey player. Cause that would make them even scarier, especially down the middle, um, managing, you know, defensively and also kind of in transition. We know how hard Pierre Dubois can carry the puck up the ice and all these things. At least a good hockey team. The Winnipeg Jets are playing on a back-to-back. They lost a stinker last night, just a really disappointing one. They're missing their best player. They're on a road trip. Finishing off 3-1 and one with a win against who I consider, I think I've already said this, but I'll say it again, the best team in the West. I'm feeling pretty happy about this. So I'm going to end the show here. It is way way past my bedtime just want to say thank you so much to everyone for being here everyone knows how much i hate these solo shows they're not easy so shout out to all of my other game over hosts to brady and to people in all the other six markets who do these all the time how these are so hard these are so difficult i was born i was birthed to talk someone's ear off not my own not my own i was birthed to talk to someone else like this is not familiar to me this is not my my cup of tea so thank you so much for everyone for humoring, humoring me Thanks for being here to celebrate this big Winnipeg Jets win, uh, with me. Um, on a personal note, um, uh, Kishore says, uh, bring on the ABS. The ABS game is on Saturday. Uh, I will not be here on Game Over on Saturday because I'm going to the game. Uh, this is the first time I'm ever going to a hockey game uh, because of a work-affiliated reason. I'm going because I've been, you know, our, the company I work for has been working with the Jets. The South Asian Heritage Night is something that, um, you know, we've been really connected with and things like that. So big big milestone and kind of the personal journey here of kind of how the last few years have shaped the way uh, my, my hockey journey looks. So I've been working with a lot of people uh, and I'm really, really excited to see how this South Asian Heritage night kind of shapes up on Saturday. Brady will be back here doing um, the game over show with you. Um, As always, it's always one of the two of us. You're always lucky enough to be graced with one of our presences. So he will be here on Saturday. We have a bunch more games lined up for you um, ahead of the Christmas little break and stint that we have here and then a bunch of fun guests and all kinds of things coming up in the new year. So Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me tonight. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Liz Hood so you catch all my insane live tweets throughout the game. Um, Make sure you follow my co-host Brady at NHL Chunky uh, and you follow at SCPN Sports to make sure you never miss anything that's going on with any of the game over shows or anything else over here at SCPN. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me tonight. This was a ton of fun and we'll see you next time.